Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of John, the first chapter, and beginning with the 29th verse. Speaking of John the Baptist, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who is ranked before me, for he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this cause I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descending as a dove from heaven and remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Lord, help us to be as positive today. Now in this life of ours, as we go and come, as we run and get and burn our lives out, it's easy for us to lose or forget sight of the real reason that we are here. I read again this old story about one of the Russian queens that on one spring day saw one of the early flowers come up as soon as the snow goes off. In her courtyard, uh, while she was walking one day, posted a guard there in order that this delicate little flower would not uh, be trampled in her courtyard, but it would live its few days of life and then go the way of all flowers. But somehow or another, they lost sight of, this, of the flower, and uh, this guard, years later, the same guard post was still maintained. And every day, there would be a guard stationed at that uh, guard post. Until one day someone asked the question, well, why is that guard standing there? It doesn't seem to be of any use or any value. And so they discovered that this was a continuation of what a queen had done years ago, never intending for it ever to be carried into the future like it was. Losing sight of why and the cause of this guard being posted. Well, it is easy for us to lose the sight of why we're here. Why we're here. What is our purpose? What are we doing? What are we about? Now the other day, while at the parsonage, my neighbor sounded like he had an airplane and had his tail caught in the door and couldn't get off the ground. And I went out to see what the problem was. And the problem was he went out to cut his grass and somehow or another it sheared the bottom off of the propeller that cuts the grass. The motor would run fine. In fact, it would race off and sound like something weird. But it made a lot of racket, but it just was useless as cutting grass. Sometimes when I think about my life and I look at it, I try to pull myself back and take a real good look and see what I'm really up to and what I'm doing. Sometimes when I consider my church and what we're doing as the people of God, I have uh, some type of a sensation that I had when I heard my neighbor's problem difficulty with his power. Oh, we make a lot of racket. 
And it seems we spin our wheels, but yet we never get around to really doing what we ought to be doing by putting those things first that should be put first. Why am I here? Am I here in order to be able to prove myself as some type of a churchman? Am I here to, to prove myself to be some type of administrator? Am I here to try to prove myself to be some type of a counselor? Am I here to try to prove myself to be some type of effective person? Or am I here in order to point out to this dying world that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord? You know, beloved John the Baptist, spelled it out to us loud and clear. John knew exactly what he was doing when he told us about John the Baptist. I think it was not by chance that he puts this story at the very front of his gospel. In fact, it comes in the first chapter. He wants to tell us something about the importance and why we're here and what we ought to be about while we are here. And so John is saying as he is with his disciples, seeing the Lord Jesus Christ coming to him one day, along with the Pharisees, the scribes, they came out before and asked him, Well, why are you out here? And why are you baptizing people? Are you the Christ that has been promised? John said to them, No, I'm not the Christ. Are you Elijah, the one that the book tells us that is going to return to us one day? No, I am not Elijah. Well, are you one of the prophets? No, I am not one of the prophets. Well, what are you doing these, these things for? And he said, there stands one among you even today that you do not know. And that is the promised one. And then seeing Jesus coming to him, he said to them, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, beloved, that's what we're about. All we may do 10,000 other things, and I hope we do. We may be involved in many things, and I hope we are. But if we are so involved in other things that we forget this one main reason why we are here, that all the rest of it is for naught. If you are so busy in life that you have forgotten that you are called to be a disciple, that you are called to make your witness there's not one shade of difference between you as your call and John the Baptist. Now your methods may, might be a, be a little bit different. You may not be called to baptize with water to, give, to make your witness and give your demonstration of your understanding of God and what he's called for. But his methods, there's one shade of difference in that. Mine, the churches, yours, and John the Baptist. Behold! The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's the only excuse that we can really have for being here. Any other will not pay for the situation and the time that we take from one another. Now, beloved, we have the message. We'll not argue about that, and I do not have to spend much time on that. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We know that this is our business and this is our specialty and this is what we've been called for to be first in the middle and to do in the last case but you know our problem comes at this point because some of us are not quite sure that this is the Lamb of God 
that takes away the sins of the world. We're not quite sure about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think you can trace our dilemma to a great part right to this place. This is the reason why we have a watered-down witness. This is the reason why that we hesitate to do what we ought to do. This is the reason why we falter in the face of opposition. This is the reason why when the heat gets hot that we try to find a cooler place in which to go. And all the while we know that regardless of what pressures that happen to be put on us or who might disagree with us or dislike what we're saying, we do not have a message that can be substituted for the one that says that Christ is the Son of God. Now, I do not care whether or not you say that behold the Lamb of God. I could just as well say the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior man. The Lord Jesus Christ that is able to save your soul. I do not care how you say it or what terminology you use as long as we point out to this world in an effective way knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is the one that is able to save me from my sins. We've got to know it. It's a must. We cannot guess about it. We cannot hope about it. In Time Magazine this week, there's an article in there by the great champion boxer George Horn. It's a very interesting article. If you get that magazine, you'll want to read it. But he talks about his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sort of a nominal Christian. He had some type of belief in Christ as being a good man and a good fellow. But after one of his uh, fights which, in which he won and was not uh, hurt or marked, he tells the story that when he went to his dressing room that he, the thought hit his mind that he was going to die. It's just out of the clear. Couldn't trace it from anywhere, but he had a thought in his mind that I'm going to die. And I'm going to die tonight. He said he felt so bad about it that he was so nervous and upset about it that uh, he couldn't go through the regular routine that he went through to uh, get himself together to go home. And so he looked at his hand and saw that he had blood on his hand. He looked at his feet and saw that he had blood on his feet and he knew that he was going to die. Then a thought came to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he decided that he would try to differ with the Lord Jesus Christ to make a deal. The thought came to his mind again, there's no deals to be made, all of you, the total of you. Surrender it all to me. He said he went to take a shower and they tried to hold him without he lost his mind. And God preserved him. He took a shower and came out of the shower and began to profess that the Lord Jesus Christ was his Savior and Lord and that he had been born again. He was a new man. He was not the same man who went in to take a shower and prepare himself to go home. He said those who were around him were so sure that he had lost his mind that they took him to the hospital to be checked out. Now I'm saying that to say to you, we need to come to the place where we know that Christ is Lord. Somehow or another, we have got to put ourselves in a position where that we can have a, the knowledge of the fact that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. Now, we do not have to have such a dramatic experience as, as the, this champion had. But somewhere in the citadel of your heart, at that quiet place that you know what you know that you know, will come this knowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior. Now John was told, the one that you see the Holy Spirit descending on and resting there, that's the one. 
I know that it's just as true for you as it was for me. Somehow, some way, when you put yourself in the right position, God is going to let you know that this is His Son. I know it. If we're going to be very effective with this message of ours, we have got to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is your and my personal Savior. The Savior of the world. You know, beloved, our hope, there's no need for us to, really, to ground our hope and greater education. And yet I'm not speaking about uh, against education. You can have an educated, uh, violent person as well as not. There's not to be found in some clearance, and yet there ought to be more of that. There's not to be found in bigger barns, or more power, whether it be found within an army, or the atomic bomb, or some position that we could possess as an individual. It's not to be found in a greater health program. It's not to be found there. The answer to our dilemma is to be found at this point here exactly where John the Baptist and John the beloved disciple places his finger when he tells us, Behold the Lamb of God. Whether it be a slum, a lack of education, or all these other things we can mention, they're only symptoms of the sickness of our heart and our soul that doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior. I remember being at Brandenburg and up in one of those valleys, a beautiful valley, there lived a man alone. I've forgotten now, I think it was the county, for some reason another wanted to uh, impound his property for some good reason, I'm quite sure, forgot the details to it. But I remember this man in a very ferocious way defended his land and his home. In fact, he won the battle and they left him alone. It was only about a year after uh, he had won the battle to keep his home and his property that one day they found him on the floor of his little home where he had taken a gun and killed himself. Who is it that's going to defend us from self-destruction? We can fight off all of these others and do it in a very effective way. But who's going to deliver you from your own evil hand? Who is it that can deliver me from my self-destruction? There's only one, and one alone, no one else. John said it, Behold, behold the Lamb of God. There's only one message. Beloved, we do not have a half a dozen messages. I, as a Christian, you as a Christian, you as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have 14 different messages. You only have one. A wise man years ago said every preacher only has one message. That's true. That is absolutely right. Beloved, I only have one message. And if it's different than what I'm saying this morning, you'd better question me very severely. Behold, the Lamb of God. That's the only thing I really have to offer. That's the only thing I really have to share that's really meaningful. Whatever else it might be is only a waste of your time. The one thing that I do have above every other thing is the most important thing of all, and that is, behold, the Lamb of God. Now we have the time to do it. We have the message, and we have the time. Just a few months ago, David, my daughter, graduated from law school here. And in the process of graduating, she said to me, she says, I hope I don't die in the next two weeks. <clears throat> well, you can appreciate what she's saying. After all this intense training and everything, it'd be a shame now that she's had to go through all these tests and trials and tribulations to just fall off and die. She said, I just hope the Lord doesn't call me within the next two weeks. Well, 
we can sort of appreciate that. We wonder sometimes about the timing of God. I know you have. I have too. And I I shouldn't do it. That's a failure with me, but I'm quite sure that I'm going to do it again. God understands. Because sometimes we think that God's timing is completely off. But you know when we step aside of our life, so to speak, and look at it, we know that God's timing is perfect. It's not off at all. It may not make sense to us, but in the long run we know that it will make this sense of perfection because this is the way that God is doing things. It's the way that He will do it. Now, He is exactly with His time. By the bedside of a friend that was dying, he was on his dying bed, he knew it. He said to me, he says, Preacher, he said, I planned my life to be a little different than it was, than it is. I had a plan for it to be a little longer than it is, but I bow to the will of God. I feel that God is calling, and I feel that I need to answer that call, and I'm ready. I know this is the hour, and I know that this is the time, and this is the place for God to call me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could come to that realization before we are on our deathbed? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would come to the place to see at this moment you are precisely and exactly where God would have you to be? Don't you know that it is within God's power it's so easy for Him if He did not want you here that He could so easily have you somewhere else? Have you ever thought that this is exactly the place where God would have you to serve? And this is the hour in which He would have you to serve in. This is the hour, and this is the time that, that He would have you to proclaim Him to be not only your personal Savior, but behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We are overcome sometimes with the yesterday, what happened or what did not happen. Sometimes we are overcome about worrying about tomorrow and what might happen. And if we're not careful, we'll come to the place where we'll try to manipulate what's going to happen to us tomorrow and begin to play the part of God. And I want to tell you something. When you come to that point, where you try to play the part of God, you're going to be sick and you will probably, in all probability, will die before your time. Let it be. This is the hour. And this is the time. Now, how are we going to do this? We have the message and we have the time. Now our great concern today is how? How do we say that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world? How do we say it effectively? How do we say it? Well, it's a very complex situation. I cannot answer for you. You can listen to 15 people tell you how you might do this. But this is so unique that only you are able to discover how you can best say that Christ is Lord. Because there's only one of you. God has no one else upon the face of this earth like you. Just one. Just you. How are we going to say it as a church? Well, I'm not quite sure. But i tell you one thing, that we should not be so defensive about our message that we have of God and His kingdom. We've got to stop this business of being defensive. I remember being in the service, and there was a man in the service who worked out a plan for the captain of how we might retreat when the enemy got pretty hot. And I remember being with the captain when this man gave that plan of retreat to him. The captain took the paper and looked at it and said, Why is this? This is the way we can retreat if we have to. The captain took the paper and tore it up. He said, I'm not interested in retreating. I'm interested in trying to take another town. I think that's the attitude. Wouldn't it be beautiful if that was the attitude of us and of our church? 
They were not in a defensive position. We're in a position to attack. We're like the medieval days where they would build a castle and wall themselves in and wall other people out. In this month's uh, National Geographic, you found an article on the cells. What a, what a hardy people these characters were. Probably our descendants, those people who inhabited England long ago. They were uh, rugged people. Uh, they delighted to fight. And you know they built these great fortifications that uh, some of them are still standing today. And the writer there in the magazine said that when these people could not find anyone else to fight, uh, that they would lock themselves into these compounds. And then pretty soon they would start fighting among themselves, even to killing one another. They were so vicious. You know, that's about the way of the church. In the past, we have locked ourselves in, in a defensive position, and if we're not careful, we lose all sight of why we're here, what the fortification is for, and we start fighting among ourselves. When will we come to the place to see that the only excuse that we can give for being here is proclaiming to the world out there, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Look at this man. He can save you. He is the Son of God. That's what we're about. On our bus, we brought in two buses. We brought in 19 people. It just might, might well be that the greatest expression of our discipleship today is found in the 19 people that are here would not be here if that bus had not gone out there and brought them here. It might be the only thing that saves the day for us. Though we could chalk up many other things as seemingly to be a success. I think about Dr. Ken Peters that has an office close to our community. He said he bought a German Shepherd dog to protect his little family when he was away. He said he hadn't had the dog too long. When someone down in the neighbor's drive pulled in, more drunk than otherwise, and came up, beat on his door, and said that old dog just there on the door just looked at him, he ignored the whole situation, that he was afraid of him. Said the dog didn't get up, didn't growl, didn't do anything. Said the people finally went back down to where their car was, parked in his neighbor's drive, so he thought he'd go down and help his neighbor to get rid of it. So he did. He came back up, and this old dog that he had bought to protect his family wouldn't let him back in the house. Sort of a mixed up situation. I think this is our church sometime, or I get mixed up as an individual begin to lose sight of the real reason why that I'm here and what life is supposed to be all about. How should we do it? Well, we should do it with, with a great deal of enthusiasm. My goodness. The way we go about this business of saying that Christ is Lord and Savior. Uh, we do it in, in such a dull way. Why can't we do it with a great deal of enthusiasm? I remember a little girl that I was privileged to have from her childhood up for a while and to be her preacher. And uh, she was such a fine young lady and she wanted to be a foreign missionary. Well, when I moved from the church and lost track of her, one year I was at conference about a couple of years ago. And this young lady, now grown up to be a young lady, nearly ran over me in the hall at the church where the conference was being held. She grabbed me by the arm and said, you remember me? And of course, uh, fortunately I did. 
And she says, I've got someone I want you to meet. And she had a ring in her voice, a twinkle in her eye. And while we were trying to find that character that she wanted me to meet, I was convinced that she felt that my life would be better if I met this young man. She, had, she didn't say it, but she had me convinced that my life was not going to be what it ought to be until I meet this person that she wants to introduce me to. Well, she introduced me to this young Methodist preacher, and she informed me right there that we're going to get married. Well, I thought that was a pretty good thing to do. Her foreign mission project could be a sort of a home project. But she convinced me by her enthusiasm, by the way she said it, by the twinkle in her eye, that this is something fantastic and you ought to be part of it. Oh, if we could do that as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we ought to do it with a great deal of devotion as dedicated people. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would be as devoted and dedicated as a drop of water, a raindrop that falls from the hip? Have you ever thought about it? Think about it with me in this way. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were just as eager to carry out our mission in life as this drop of water that falls from the hip? It only has one purpose, and that is to find its way back to the sea. Now, you can trap it. You can store it up. You can keep it stored up for 10 years. You can turn it loose, and you can count on one thing absolutely for sure. It's going to start on its way back to the sea. Back to the sea. And it's going to be so effective that if you look at the mountainside where it has been on its trip back to the sea, follow its trail because of the green vegetation. If it goes to a desert place, you can tell where it has been because you can see the bloom and the blossom of the desert. If it makes its way through a fertile field on its way back to the sea, you can tell that it's been there for sure because of the great fruit and vegetables and grain that it will cause to come forth. Grain and vegetables that are fit for the king's table. And you can follow it as it makes its way back to the sea from whence it came. Oh, to God, this morning, at this hour, that you and I could be just as dedicated and just as faithful to our call as this drop of water that falls from God's head. Now we will be on our way back to God, regardless of where we might be found. May it be so of your life and your soul and my life and my soul at this hour. Our Father in heaven, help us to remember who we are, how we are, and what we've been called to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.